0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Legion OST DIY Outdoors podcast. Uh, Today we got a podcast going. I'm pretty excited, Uh, John. I got to meet you a couple weeks ago, John Stallone, from uh, Arizona, with um, the uh, interviews with the with the Hunting Masters Big Game Hunting Podcast. I'm thrilled to get to talk to you. You know what I mean? This is like it's an honor and a privilege. I've you know I listened to your podcast for you know years prior. And uh, we've gotten to chat a little bit, you know, over Instagram and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was your podcast that kind of motivated me to get back into doing yoga from an episode that you had. I can't remember who it was with, but there was an episode where someone was like, everybody needs to do yoga if they're going to be hunting. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to dive back into it. Um, But John, without further ado, man, could you introduce yourself and, uh, you know, tell us who you are?
1: Yeah, Uh, like you said, John Stallone, Um, I'm a podcaster, family man, been uh, in the hunting industry, quote unquote hunting industry for going on 20 years pretty soon here, Um, had my own TV show, owned the hunting channel online, ran blogs, got involved in a number of different uh, projects along the way. Did product testing for companies, been a hunting land consultant, authored a couple of books. I've been around. <laughs> that's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, 20 years, man. That's that's uh, like – I think when I was talking to you the other week, what did you say? It was like 2004?
1: 2004 was the uh, – when I started the Haunting Channel online. Uh-huh. Uh, but I first started getting paid – for hunting was somewhere around either 99 or 2000 really Uh, yeah I've been on Matthew's pro staff well I wasn't a Matthew I was a staff shooter Mm -hmm. in 2001 and like I want to say like by 2007 I was on their national shooting staff Um something like that 2006 somewhere along those lines it's all blurry right i swear the days roll into each other i don't even even know what day and a weekend is anymore it's it's ridiculous right some old man shit (laughs) yeah man
0: seriously dude i'm getting there right now where i'm just like dude the days are blending the weeks are blending everything's like mushing together and then all of a sudden it's the weekend and time to go do more stuff i'm like wait Mm -hmm. a minute how do i do all this like what am i doing Do you have kids? No, I don't. No, I no, don't. I don't. No, you're married, right? No, I'm not yeah. married either. Now you yeah, have yeah. kids though, right?
1: Yeah, I have 3 kids. Um yeah. you know, ever since I've been married and had kids, it goes by so much faster. It's like Really? light speed. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I feel like the kids just got done with school and now they're going back to school. You know, it's like yeah. just it's so everything happens so quick. I feel like my son, who's my youngest, Um, I he was born two days before I turned 40, and now he's two and a half.
0: Oh, wow! And it's like he was born yesterday,
1: like it literally felt like yesterday. I feel like my (laughs) wife was just, you know, yeah, yeah. And here we are, we're you know, gonna be it's gonna be his third birthday here, not not too long, another five months. So, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, and I used to remember my dad saying it to me all the time, he's like you know, don't wish your life away, don't don't wait for you like you know you don't be like oh I can't wait till next week because I'm doing this you would like, be like you know just don't wish your life away because it goes by fast and didn't hit me till I was in my you know in my 30s or whatever right but but I noticed that that was that was for real right there that was a about the truest statement it goes by quick man yeah I can't I mean. If you think about it, not to be a Debbie Downer, you know, in your 40s, if I, ho- I hope to live, you know, to my 80s, yeah, I'm, I've already lived half my life, yeah, you know? So it's like, yeah.
0: Right. And well, when we're young, man, we just don't even realize how fast it's all going. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, we're here. You know, we're past the ages that we wanted. We were like, I can't wait until I'm that age. And now it's like 8, 10, 15 years past that age. What am I doing? What's going on? Wait a minute. How'd I get here?
1: Yeah, yeah you
0: know living in the moment man that's
1: so important especially if you're an ambitious person yeah and you're always looking ahead you know always looking for the next thing Mm -hmm. things go by even faster like you know
0: yeah
1: i feel i feel like i feel like if you're a very in the moment type person um you know it doesn't go quite as fat like i feel like you kind of it's, it's probably better to be a little bit of both, you know, Yeah. kind of enjoy what you got when you have it. And cause you never know, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different ph- philosophical thing. I'm not going to get into
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, get into whatever you want do this. Complete not, uh, freedom,
1: man. Complete freedom. So, so yeah, we- I don't know. If, I don't know if I painted a, a, a the, the whole picture of myself, whatever, but, um, I guess if you really want to know who the heck I am and what about me, you could go to, my blog or whatever
0: yeah
1: there's an about me there and it kind of gives you a timeline
0: yeah, yeah. so well anyway. so where'd you grow up
1: <sighs> i grow up is irrelevant <laughs> right your term but uh i uh i was born in brooklyn okay um but i grew up on long island
0: mm-hmm.
1: new york east Coast. Uh, moved yeah east long island mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I moved to Arizona when I was 16. Oh, so okay. I've been, I've been living in Arizona longer than I lived in New York. Yeah. Um, I started hunting, you know, like 81, oh, wow. Ni- 1980, I like I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find a lot of the friends that I have, I have a lot of young friends, man. It's, right. it's so funny. Cause I, like, a couple of the guys that work for me are like early for barely 21 or just, you know, Early early twenties and I'm like, I keep making references to stuff and I'm like, I just realized you, you weren't even freaking alive when that happened, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny you point that out. I was just talking to a buddy about that the other day. Like, these guys that we're hunting with and doing things with, they're all like 20 and 21, and there's like 13, 14 year age gap. Right. And it's so, it's just so insane, man. And like, not only that, but like, dude, they crush us on the mountain.
1: <laughs> Uh, I I, I do my best to keep up with those guys they keep me young right seriously
0: (laughs) though it's it's a positive thing for sure yeah um so did you hunt when you lived back east or did that sort of material oh you did oh yeah so when did you get into hunting
1: my dad took me out my first time hunting I was probably four or five years old really my my dad so you know that guy's statue of limitations for my dad, and he's not going to get in trouble for this. But um, 1981, I was what, five? I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad uh, took me hunting, and he held the rifle, maybe hold the rifle with him, and we shot my first deer. No way. Yeah. Was it a, so,
0: was it a buck or a
1: doe? It was. It was a buck. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What was that like for you being, being four or five years old and, uh, and just getting the first animal?
1: honestly i was pretty i was a little traumatized by the whole thing yeah um so i don't recommend it to anybody not not because of the death of the animal yeah the gun the kick of the gun uh-huh yeah
0: what caliber gun was it
1: 35 marlin
0: oh
1: wow i still have it
0: yeah oh do you really
1: yeah how cool is that I gave, to I gave it to me when i was like 16 or whatever and i've had it ever since well, so
0: here you go this is yours now
1: yeah are you gonna yeah. pass it to your son I will. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Yeah. He bought Wait. me. Uh, he bought me a twenty-two also when I was like seven, and I still have that. And I'm gonna pass it along to him too. That's
0: awesome.
1: So I also have my dad's shotgun too. I got a lot of the old stuff because my dad, um, my dad quit hunting like almost twenty years ago. Really? Oh, yeah. Was there a reason
0: yeah. for that or?
1: He was never really into the whole killing part. I mean, he loves the outdoors and he loves chasing animals around. And he, now he does it with the camera, so like it's catch and release for him now.
0: Really? He's been doing that for about
1: well, fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah. Really,
0: life behind the lens, man.
1: Yeah, That's he's. Awesome. Uh, yeah, he's just always felt way too remorseful. It's like the 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 positives never outweigh the negatives for him on it, and it was just hard. But he's not like against it, obviously. But he's yeah. just. He still eat meat and whatnot, but it's just not a. Uh, he just can't do the killing himself. Yeah, it makes, it makes him feel bad. Well,
0: that's what he's got you for now, right?
1: Yes, huh? You bring him, you
0: bring him all the meat. <laughs> <laughs> right, I can yeah. I can relate to that. You know, like uh, with my with my dad, my first one of my first experiences hunting, my dad was using a traditional bow, and uh, he had stuck a grouse. And it was the first time that I ever witnessed death like that I can remember. And mm-hmm. that was like that was traumatizing for me, man. I had no idea how to deal with it or, or anything like that. And then we ate it that night and it was delicious and I've I've been fine with it ever since. But, you know, prior to understanding the process, man, that was like I was like, oh God. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it can be. I mean I've uh I've tried to like introduce my kids to it mm-hmm. um you know little at a time Luca my my son I took him coyote hunting at one and a half years old Oh, how it, cool is that it honestly like when I first took him that when I took him that day I didn't really have high hopes for it was a summer it was summertime and I didn't have real high hopes to get one mm-hmm. you know so I wasn't really thinking about it but um i don't know i i've had i've had a very good uh coyote hunting career so i don't even know why i didn't think i was gonna get one but <laughs> i just for some reason i'm like ah, i'll take him with me i probably won't get one you know it's not gonna be like a big deal but maybe he'll see one come running in or whatever anyway so i shot one with him the very fi- first time i took him hunting uh, mm-hmm. i shot a coyote and i got a, i got a couple of pictures of me and the coyote And he's got this look li- like looking at the coyote like I think you were just alive and now you're dead yeah. yeah yeah it's a little it's a little weird you know but uh i think uh, you know they watch it on tv a little bit here and there with me and yeah. whatever and you just got to experience you know get it slowly acc- uh, acclimated to it so they don't uh get you know shocked by it when it ha- when they actually get to go for their first time to the yeah heart, so
0: that's cool man so you moved to Arizona when you were 16 and then is that kind of when you did you transition f- obviously from whitetail hunting into mule deer hunting or
1: um, yeah I, and all that I just I jumped into everything Western pretty much yeah um, for the first couple of years that I moved here I didn't know anybody who bow hunted yeah so I I went you know I would say from the time yeah, I guess to my just in high school. Basically when I got into college it changed. But while I was in high school I was, you know, a little busy chasing two like a deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, so I went once or twice a year. I didn't go like but then when I got into college, uh, even though I was still uh, very interested in the uh, females, I I I met a couple of people that bow hunted and I you know, I started started hunting more again yeah
0: where, Priority where I, shift.
1: yeah yeah i started hunting again a, a lot more and then once i got out of college it was like you know between snowboarding mountain biking and hunting i was probably i was spending like 200 days a year
0: oh wow so <laughs> yeah. you're i mean you're an active you're an active guy then mountain biking snowboarding yeah. all that kind well, of stuff
1: i gave all that stuff up actually for uh, hunting for hunting yeah right yeah, well, I gave it up so that my wife wouldn't uh, divorce me because I would never be. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I, I basically chose one, and I figured hunting I could do for a lot longer than I could do snowboarding mm-hmm. and mountain biking for. Yeah, um, a little, little bit easier on the body. Um, right. Not much, but it is a little bit easier. A on
0: little life. bit, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. Unless you're unless you're packed way in and. God, back then there's no air mattresses or anything like that you're just using like some thin bed roll
1: yeah you know what i've gotten so far away from those crazy backpack hunts that i i uh i'm almost just there's something to be said for, yeah almost exclusively a, a front country hunter now yeah um you know once in a while you know if it, and if I, I draw an area that requires it i'm going to do it because that's what i you know what i need to do but Um, I've gotten, I don't want to say size, that sounds really conceited, but I've gotten so good at dealing with the masses and using pressure and to your advantage. Yeah. To my advantage that I don't, I don't even like, I don't even need like, you know, that whole rule, oh get as far away from the roads as possible. I don't like, I mean, I'll, I'll come up and shoot a deer that's standing behind your truck. You don't even know it's there, Yeah, you know? Well, the that's kind of man. <laughs> a lot of
0: people don't hunt the middle ground, you know. There's like the front yeah. ground, and then there's the middle ground, and there's like the back yeah. country. That's probably me. That's that's a good way to describe it. The you know front, what I middle. mean? And it's like they're far yeah. enough away from the road where people aren't, you know, hiking in a thousand yards or whatever, and they're pushed out of the back country because there's a bunch of guys running around out there.
1: Yep. Yep. No. Yeah, I find like like that the backcountry things become so it's been so romanticized over the last 10 years especially that mm-hmm. like it's not even there is no backcountry anymore you know it's like yeah, I mean, you could get away you could get away and not see a single person still but it's still not it's not what it was I remember you know 15 years ago or whatever when we'd go do a backpack hunt or whatever we you know there's no cell phones there was no spot there was no you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: satellite anything you know <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like hell the gps was iffy then and it was like yeah you just you took a map you went and you disappeared and you re you re-emerged into the <laughs> to the world like you know right but yeah so i don't know it's um you know teach his own I, I i i have no i applaud everybody who does anything yeah you hunt from your truck i don't i don't make fun of people i don't i mean yeah whatever makes you happy do it you love it as long as you're doing it legally and not you know putting a blithe or a a stain on on the hunting public within within the public eye yeah. I, well, i'm that's, all for it man that's yeah. me
0: and you bring up a really good point there, man, cuz like there's definitely weekend weekend warriors and road hunters. There's definitely guys that hunt front country, you know, back country, however it is. And I think one of the biggest things for me being a lot more immersed into the hunting community now is like the amount of uh superiority, you know, people can hold over other people and like, you know, t- I'm a back country hunter or I, you mm-hmm. know, I do this or you only road hunt or you know, and all that kind of stuff, and it's like, man, we're we're a population that is dying off. You know what I mean? Like, hunters is a population that's slimming out, you know, every yeah. year by the thousands, and we're going to bash each other and, like, beat each other up over how someone decides or chooses to hunt and pass along the tradition in their family. Like, that's rough, man.
1: Yeah. That's no, rough it's, stuff. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. We're our own worst enemy. Right seriously (laughs) at the end of the
0: day man you can't i'm not going to debate that one with you at all you know it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous but um cool so transitioning into western hunting from whitetail hunting or i don't know exactly were you tree stand hunting back east or no we didn't
1: tree stand hunting. i i started tree stand hunting actually when i moved out here really uh yeah what you know what tree stands weren't popular when i was a kid Uh i mean there was there were some out there in the in the eighties, but yeah. they were dangerous and you know I was a kid, my dad wasn't going to let me climb up a tree and chase them we you know we th- we threw when I first started hunting, you know we threw on a orange refrigerator, uh you know jumpsuit, went and took some salami and cheese and went <laughs> and sat underneath the tree and wait for deer to walk by yeah you know that's that was hunting yeah um you know my dad had a very he had a knack. He had a very good eye for picking spots. Uh-huh. Like I don't like – and I'm, I think I inherited that for, from him. But he yeah. uh, he got a deer every year. Really? But he couldn't tell you how he does it. You yeah. know, like he didn't – there was no skill that that he possessed or he learned that gave him. he just like had a – It just happened? This, yeah. It just looked yeah. like, oh, this looks like a good spot right here. Like, you know, and he couldn't tell you. Like he couldn't verbalize why it looked like a good spot. So I didn't I didn't get a whole I got some, you know, I got woodsmanship from him mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but as far as hunting, I didn't really all my hunting skills I learned on my own or I Time learned in the
0: field.
1: I learned from others, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I always lived by that that saying, a uh, smart man learns from his mistakes, a wise man learns from others' yeah. people's mistakes. Yeah. You know, so I always I always looked and listened to everybody else's stories and, you know, just kind of like try to pick it apart and figure out what it was that they did right and what they did wrong. And I, and I slowly, but surely started, uh, you know, proofing it in my own hunting and, 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 you know, and incorporated it in my own skill set And, you know, it's just really, I, I've kind of, I'm always kind of like thinking about things. I'm always kind of, Oh, you know, if I do things this way, I do things that way. If I train this way, if I, you know, hang my, camera this way, whatever anything i've just always kind of overthinking like the different angles of it, and, you know yeah. and, and that's kind of how i become me <laughs> you know
0: right well and our buddy charles talked you know he talked about it when we podcasted with him the language of the hunt you know and time in yep. the field and and learning and understanding nature and and you know there's like like for me you know i've i've hunted elk since 2000 and god 2010 But collectively, maybe I've got, so what's that, eight years? Maybe I have 80 days in the field hunting elk. Uh Uh-huh. You know, as compared to some people that, you know, they go out and they've got, you know, they've elk hunted for eight years, but they've got 800 days. Right. You know what I mean? So I've got a fraction as to what they have. And then there's guys that are just weekend warriors and stuff like that, that in eight years, maybe they've only got 16 days. Yeah. You know, so
1: it's, it's a... Charles and I kind of came to that conclusion together Uh five year, like five years ago when we first started hunting together. That's so. Yeah, we were talking. Matter of fact, I think he said it on my podcast. Like the very first time I had him on, yeah, we were talking about it, and yeah, he was he was bringing up you know the amount of days, and he's like you know because we had had a previous conversation about it, and yeah, it's if you think about it, most guys get like a week, two weeks, maybe. a year to hunt you know that's I I would say that's probably about the national average I don't even know what it is now I'm sure it's I'm sure there's some metric for it out there but um, let's just call it two weeks you know so you hunt 10 years two weeks that's what 140 days Yeah, and then I spend like 90 days to 100 90 to 100 days a field a year yeah so uh, if you look at it in the amount of days your 10 years experience is, equals one year of my, you know what I'm saying yeah. so it's like if you look at it like that and there's like I know guys that I have a couple of friends that are guides like that's all they do a full-time guide they spend 260 days a year you that's know insane that yeah 260 days a year I mean you do that for 10 years you're you have to the normal guy's got to put in 50 60 years to equate that kind of you know experience yeah and it's So, yeah, yeah.
0: Right. So what was your – you were talking about you were bow hunting, you know what I mean, and and all that kind of stuff. What was your – that was the 80s, I think, right? So what was your first kind of bow that you owned?
1: Uh, I want to say – it was a bear. Uh I want to say it was called the the bear whitetail. was My first first compound bow. My dad – my first bows were recurves that my dad bought. It was also a bear. Uh, he bought one for me at a garage sale. It was like 40 pounds. I couldn't pull the damn thing back when I first got it. Um, I ended up shooting my first deer with a bow, I think, in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a whitetail in New York.
0: Nice.
1: Uh, I was a, It was right before – yeah, it was the season before I moved here. To Arizona, because I, I want to say yeah, I moved here in '91, and um, you know I love bow hunting. I actually I hated rifle hunting. I I used to look down my nose at rifle hunters. Like mm-hmm. I say, from the time I was like 18 till mm, I don't know maybe 10 years ago, like I I lived by the 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 motto. I'd rather fail with my bow than succeed with my rifle. Yeah. And, um, matter of fact, that was even in my bio. And, and it, and it wasn't like I didn't look at, I shouldn't say I looked down at rifle hunters. I said, I, for myself, I just, I didn't like, I thought it was like not cheating, but like, I don't know. I didn't see the, it didn't, just didn't do it for me. I shouldn't say I just shouldn't see the sport because then, and then I fell back in love with it because I changed, I changed the way that I hunted. Uh-huh. With the rifle, because I'm a fairly good shot, and I, you know, I've always owned really, except for maybe that Marlin 35. <laughs> I, I've owned really, I've owned really good long range rifles, yeah. and it was like, oh man, I could shoot a rifle. I could shoot a deer from five, six hundred yards away. What's the, what's the you know, there's no sport in that. Not, not you know, it wasn't hard.
0: What's your uh, favorite so, long range caliber?
1: I had 300 Remington Ultra Mag. Nice yeah sorry to catch you off no 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 not at all yeah uh, best of the west built me one a couple years ago and I love the damn thing but the way I hunt with it now is I stalk in to 100 yards 150 yards to shoot it Mm -hmm. or or the complete opposite I'd rather shoot it at 1000 yards yeah so like that middle ground in between Mm -hmm. like 500 yards is, is for me I feel and I I sound like a conceited bastard but for shot. me, I feel like as a super. Like, I think it's a chip shot yeah. with that rifle. It's with that rifle on, and I, I use Phoenix shooting bags. Like yeah. my cousin came up with these shooting bags like ten years ago, mm-hmm. and um, after he taught me how to shoot with those, like it's stupid how accurate and how easy it is to shoot. Like really, it's, I, my little girl, she's nine years old, she's you know popping soda cans at. 200 yards with an open sight 22 no <laughs> I mean, way yeah that's insane yeah so okay 200 yards is an exaggeration but 150, what 150. and they're
0: called phoenix bags
1: phoenix shooting bags yeah
0: phoenix shooting bags i'm gonna have to look those up
1: yeah yeah um so anyway so once i learned how to shoot like that i was like i went to i went to sniper school him and i went to sniper school mm-hmm. uh here there's a um, what's it called uh, gunsight academy it's called yeah we, gunsight's
0: amazing man they're amazing place to go train
1: i learned how to shoot out to 2000 yards and it was like yeah so that like going back to what i was saying that middle ground that 500 yards i think it's super easy to get to 500 yards on any animal it doesn't matter what animal it is mm-hmm. um it just didn't seem the only animal that i ever hunted with a rifle here Mm -hmm. or in in the united states really for a while was coos there because they were formidable you know uh opponent so to speak to me like i was like they're hard to find but in 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 itself you know just locating them was super hard to glass and whatnot and um you know to get a shot off there's they're always in like thick brushy stuff and you know whatever so on and so forth so that that's the only thing i rifle hunted for a long time but then i like i said i changed the way i hunted and now i love shooting my rifle and um you know so yeah so oh go ahead go ahead no
0: i was gonna say so who like um so if you were Transitioning from mule deer into, you know, hunting coos deer, and you kind of were, you know, digging it more with a rifle. Would you relate coos deer hunting at all to blacktail hunting? Not at all. No. So Not. it's completely different. I've yeah. never hunted coos deer, so I'm so ignorant to it, like yeah.
1: 100%. Yeah, coos deer are, I mean, they're super cagey. hmm. Way, way more so than the blacktail are. Um, I think the blacktail are somewhere between a white tail and a mule deer uh-huh. like a regular white tail and a mule deer yeah. uh they're not not as cagey as a regular white tail and and not as uh docile i guess as a mule deer um and and i I don't mean to put it that way like i'm I'm putting mule deer down because they're no i
0: totally, they're not, they're, not, I know you they're
1: not easy they're not easy prey in any way but in 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 this in this spectrum of deer they are the easiest deer.
0: I would, yeah, I can understand exactly what you mean when
1: you say that. In, in my opinion, yeah. but I mean, I, I've never killed a two hundred inch mule deer, but if you're if you're comparing, you know, three four year old deer across the board, they're the easiest. Yeah. So, um, at least in my experience, that mm-hmm. I've experienced. So, um, and, and I would say, whitetail or coos deer are, are the toughest out of all the deer that I've hunted really yeah but I haven't been I haven't been for sick of blacktail yet yeah. so I don't know I don't know about that species I have no they, they could be the hardest I have no clue but um and I think uh, in, uh, in part has to do with them being small um you know and everything wants to eat them here yeah. so they're always on edge I mean like bobcats are big enough to take down you know, fawns and whatnot. Oh um, wow. So from the time, you know, everything wants to eat them here. Yeah. Um, so they're super, super skittish. Um, they don't have any tolerance, you know, depending on where you're hunting in the country. Like, you know, some deer will have some tolerance for human intrusion, but well, I don't think coos deer have, have zero. Like they won't stand there and look at you. And if they do, it's for very short, short amount of time. Like, I've I've gotten busted from, like, 500 yards away where a doe's sitting up on top of a ridge and she sees me walking down a bottom or something and she'd blow at me from there and run off, you know? Oh, wow. So, yeah, if a mule deer sees you from 500 yards away, she's going to wait until you walk to 100 yards before she takes off, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: It's different. Yeah. Um, so transitioning, like... It's just it's different. I mean, uh, the the style of hunting doesn't change that much, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do spot and stalk for mule deer here in the, in the desert, and you know, you do the same thing for coos deer. It's yeah. mostly just getting behind big glass and using vantage points to to look at stuff. And once you find them, you, you know, you come up with a game plan and go after them. So there's there's no magic to that to that side of it. Um, you just got to be you just got to be on point, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to be. You got to be super silent, super stealthy, you know. Got to win the hundred percent, um, you know that kind of stuff. So, but I, I I don't think there's any difference. Like blacktail, for me, I feel like the biggest thing about blacktails when you hunt them, you hunt them in July. Everything's dry. Hot. <laughs> it's just hot. It's. <laughs> it, You know, it's the conditions suck. Yeah. I mean, 100%. Everything is working against you. There's not a single thing working in your favor at all. (laughs) Nothing. You're like, because even out here, when it's super hot, you could go sit water, you know? Yeah. You don't have that option there because there's freaking water everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's just too many options for them to go drink. There's creeks, there's. Little springs everywhere and blah blah blah. Where over here, there's more destination water. You know, there's like um, a pond or a you know a drinker or a tank or whatever that, that they're going to drink at. Yeah. Eventually, you know, you're going to sit there for days without seeing damn thing. And but they're want, there. But they will come eventually. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So, did you have any role models or anything like that? you know growing up and going through the 90s in your hunting career and then kind of transitioning into becoming a professional
1: hunter. Honestly? Not really. Just kind of did I, you. Yeah, I just kind of did me. Like I mean if I if I had to pick a guy or a couple of guys that I would wanna emulate my I would, would have wanted to emulate my career after. I mean, Randy Ulmer, mm-hmm. you know, because not just because he kills big shit and he's an awesome hunter and he knows his stuff, but because he's such a soft-spoken, he's not a loud mouth, he's not a showy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Just a super awesome dude. And he's just solid. Um, And um, one of my mentors in western hunting uh one of the guys that i really like really flipped a switch for me like took my glassing and my um mostly my glassing i should say like and my my understanding of the deer here in arizona um was uh Dwayne adams mm-hmm. and, you know he uh he kind of took me underneath his wing and he's just an amazing man just Super genuine, like helps children out, and you know, get into hunting, and just all around good dude, man. Yeah, just solid, solid human being. I, I would say those are the two people that had the biggest influence influence on me. Um, but I did a lot of reading. Um, and uh, I actually had another, another gentleman that, um, helped me a ton out. But this was on the Whitetail side was mm-hmm. a, a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Faduccia. And he, he was known as uh, Dear Doctor. And he's got a couple of books out and stuff. I read his books and I reached out to him. And I actually, he was one of the first people I ever podcast with um, like 10, 11 years ago. And um, just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who understands – the behavior of an animal mm-hmm. like that. When I when I when I read other people's books they were, they were always like, "Oh, if you want to kill big deer, you got to go where the big deer are at." You know. Okay, thanks fucker. I mean, what? <laughs> thanks for the help. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean, you know? Yeah. And he just like broke everything down like vocabulary just the rut and why they rutted and and you know what what the onset was caused by, you know, how moon affects weather and this and that, like everything was just laid out and it just all made sense. Mm-hmm. So <coughs> excuse me, I was he was a big part of how I learned and and then eventually, I added all my experiences in there and all my little tricks and whatever and that's when I wrote my first book uh-huh it was, uh, the white tail hunters blueprint was my first book and actually I'm sorry that was my second book my first book was the secrets of hunting Western game yeah um, but my my most the highest selling book was that white tail book was the white tail hunter blueprint so yeah what was that like writing a book a lot of work yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it was fun though you know like at first off-season project or no man i i mean i was doing it Uh, actually when i wrote that book the whitetail hunters blueprint was i had just gotten married i wrote it in 2000 and i released it in 2009 I started writing it. I want to say started it around in 2007, mm-hmm. and it was right when the shit hit the fan. My my pool business, um, like everything out here in the in the construction industry went to crap. I lost my business. I went back to school to go get my masters in rangeland management and ecology at Colorado State. I did it as a distant learning program. Um, I had a new baby on the way. I was working nights at a restaurant and working during the day on my during my uh, you know uh, my current business that I my current pool company. So I ended up having to cl- you know file Chapter Eleven and then close down my construction company, and then I started a service service and repair company in the pool industry. So all this stuff was going on, and I just needed something to cling on to. And hunting was, hunting was my, was my rock. I had all this turmoil going on, you know, um, emotionally. My wife was there for me, and I had that going for me. But like, yeah. everything else was just like, I had no clue what I was doing for money. I had like, I went from, <laughs> I went from do, owning a multi-million-dollar construction company to having nothing. Oh wow. I lost everything like, um, it was rough cause it was, I, I was rebuilding. So, and, and that book kind of gave me like a lot of focus. Uh huh. So, so that I, was I, right
0: during the economy collapse and everything yeah, like that. Absolutely, absolutely. So that seriously affected you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. I,
1: um, yeah, it was, it was crazy cause like, you know, I, I, not two years prior, I was having conversations with my CPA, and he was like, "John, if you keep continue to what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing, uh, you know, you could probably retire by the time you're 50."
0: No way. Yeah.
1: Uh, consequently, I just had this conversation with my CPA, and he said, "You're gonna have to work till you're 67 now." <laughs> oh wow, that was that was my dad's <laughs> retirement age. So, um, anyway, so yeah, I lost everything. I had houses, and you know. It's just, but everything was tied into the housing market, you know. And I, I wasn't diversified enough. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I lost my ass, and I just, I had to rebuild. Luckily, I, I had a good woman, and uh, that stuck stuck with me when the shit hit the fan, and you know, she supported me, and I was able to uh, to bring us back to where we are now. Which yeah. is, you know, I'm not rich, but I'm comfortable and have a happy life. My kids don't know; <laughs> they don't know the word no. <laughs> Spoil rock brats.
0: Uh, well, you know? that there's something to be said for having a rock like that. You know what I mean? And and her staying through, staying, you know, uh, seeing it through the whole way, and and you know, just being there for you, man. That that had to be really, really positive and really helpful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I didn't let the I didn't let the uh, the TV show go because I started the TV show in two thousand and
0: four.
1: Yeah, and I didn't stop the show until two
0: thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. And that was so. the uh, the online show, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Days in the wild. Days in the wild. Yeah, same as my outfitting business. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was rough, man. I was. I was still spinning a lot of plates, but I was spinning a lot of plates there. I was trying to make money wherever I could and, you know.
0: The grind, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But that goes in with the ambition you were talking about, man, just being ambitious, sticking it out, seeing it through, and and uh, persevering, really, because, you know, you're still at it and you're still doing it.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, you can't beat that. I'm, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, – yeah, most most people would have been smart enough to to walk away. I just enjoyed hunting for hunting.
0: Yeah, but I mean you I, were I'm smart not, enough. I'm not that smart. You were, yeah, but you were smart enough to stick with it.
1: <laughs> you think so? I don't know, man. It's available, <laughs> I, <know>, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if it's smart. It's not a smart move. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like not a financially smart move and, and it it uh, really it takes a toll on you. It yeah. really does. I mean you'll – you you guys just got into the whole podcasting thing, yeah. And it and and this is the podcasting is way 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 less involved yeah. than doing video TV show.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. There's you know the the cost of doing a podcast is almost nothing yeah. compared comparatively. Yeah. Um, stress levels. You know, you just do it when you want to do it. There was no, there's no deadlines. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know about your guys' sponsors, but my sponsors, you know, as long as they I'm um, sending out a positive message and whatever, they're not like, oh, I want, I, I, you know, I had, I had sponsors for, you know, that 2005 to 2008, mm-hmm. man, I had sponsors that were like, you know, we want to see like six animal photos dead with our product and this oh, and wow. you know, like yeah, and you know, after a while you get calling tired in of-
0: orders, man. Yeah, yeah, wow.
1: you know. And then uh you know, Facebook happened. I mean Facebook's been around for a long time, but it really didn't happen till what, two thousand
0: and
1: yeah. nine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then all these guys that were really good at marketing themselves became professional hunters overnight and mm-hmm. uh, it was just really hard really 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 hard uh from about i want to say from about 2011 to till now really um manufacturers started like cutting back funding on everything um the whole millennial outlook on on uh on life kind of hit, you know, and I, and I, I, don't mean it to put anybody down, but I just think like in the, in the last 10 years, especially yeah, people don't have patience for anything. They don't want to watch a 20 minute TV show. They want to watch a one a thir- minute Instagram. Not video. even, yeah, not even yeah. 30 seconds. Like if you don't have, if you don't tell the whole story and show a kill shot in 30 seconds, you, you could go after yourself, you know, it's like, yeah. And that's kind of, you know, between that and, and and the whole like all the manufacturers giving would rather give away free, and it's smart on their part, but they'd rather give away free, you know, they'd rather give you a a bow, mm-hmm. and ten other yous a bow, than to give one me ten thousand dollars. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it's smarter. You got you guys reach a bunch of people.
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't reach as many people's, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make, it, it makes sense. But at the same time, and I'm sorry if I used you as an example. No, but, fine. Because I'm guess. not, I'm not throwing you into that mix. I'm just. You uh, hurting
0: my feelings, man. We're good. <laughs>
1: um, You know, I thought it was kind of foolish in a lot of ways because what ended up happening is now nobody trusts. Nobody trusts anything they hear on the internet. Yeah. Like. You know, if a guy says, oh, you know, these broadheads are the best in the world. Now everybody looks at it and go, are they saying it's the best in the world because they believe it or because
0: they are getting this- paid or getting free gear?
1: Well, no, but almost nobody's getting paid anymore. That's yeah. the thing. Just getting yeah. free broadheads. And it's like, you know, like, it sucks because it came back and bit them in the ass. Yeah. But when they were paying, you know, guys that were looked at and and uh, role modeled. role model, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, not to say I was a freaking role giant role model beforehand, but when I when I usually, my following knows when I say something, it's because I mean it. Yeah,
0: and that's you know? important, man. There's a lot to be said for that.
1: I I passed on a lot of deals, yeah. lots of deals, yeah. You know, I had. I had different bow companies approach me. I left a lot of money on the table. Hell, I, I walked away from Chevy. I was getting paid 10 grand a year. Yeah. You know, that, that's a big chunk of change, man. I walked away from Chevy and, and I, I believed in the product, but when I took it hunting, when I took my truck hunting, it used to beat the shit out of me. It was so stiff of a ride. It went everywhere. I wanted it to go. So don't get me wrong. It's a, Chevy Chuck's a great truck, but off-roading, it's rough as crap, man. It's rough. And I just couldn't deal with it anymore. You know, like. Yeah, your neck getting thrown around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I don't, and I'm not, I've never been a snake oil salesman, man. I've never been that guy who's like, oh, you know, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Uh, You know, just because it's benefiting me. Yeah. So.
0: No, I can relate to that a lot. You know, I mean, like. uh for me, you know, like I, I definitely do my best to, you know, I, I try to buy all my own gear. I don't, you know, I don't really try to look for handouts. I mean, I've, I've been offered free gear. I've turned free gear down, you know, and, and all different kinds of stuff like that. But it just, uh, I prefer to just pay out of my own pocket for the mm-hmm. stuff that I use. You know what I mean? Because then like I'm buying it because I love the product and it works well for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and if, if that down the road turns into something with a company or a brand because I like using their products, then cool. And if it doesn't, I'm still going to use the products regardless right. because that's what's right. comfortable for me.
1: Yeah. You well, know? you know, from a businessman standpoint, that very thought puts you out of every very big disadvantage mm-hmm. because cause they're already getting free advertisement out of you. And that's how companies look at it. Yeah. So, you know, I, what I've always done in the past is I use what I use and I would, I would have, Oh, I always go back to those companies after I found out that this is what I want to use after I've paid for it with my own money and, yeah. you know, put it through a season or two of whatever.
0: Destruction.
1: And, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, in Arizona is pretty rough on, on, on gear from what I oh, yeah. understand, man, cactuses yeah. and rocks and the, the whole nine yeah. is just rough out there.
1: Well, you know, Arizona makes up fifteen twenty percent of my hunting. You know, I go everywhere, man. Yeah,
0: that is very true. I mean,
1: I, I leave in a week for for Utah. You know, uh, it's just so I would go. I would find what I like, go and approach them, and say, "Hey, listen, this is me. This is my following. This is what I have to do. This is, uh, and I like your product, and I would like to be able to represent your product." You know, and, you know, most of them saw the benefits of that and, and, you know, came on board and most of the companies that I still represent, uh and there's a lot of companies that I use that I don't promote because like I said, it it, it puts you at a disadvantage if you're promoting them and you're not, uh, and you're not getting, you know, something out of it for at least free gear or whatever. But those ones that I do, those are, those are companies that are tried and true that I've used forever and mm-hmm. that I promote them because they take care of me and they've been with me. Like I, I mean, I've been with the same boat company since 2001. I've been with the same arrow company since 2004 or 2005, something like that. And I've been shooting schwackers for, you know, um, I don't know, eight, eight nine years now, maybe 10 years. Yeah. it just, i stick with the companies that i find i don't like change right (laughs) i really i can't stand change so um but yeah that's that's me (laughs) right i'm i'm loyal to those that that are loyal to me and 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 the things that i like
0: yeah well loyalty is such a huge huge thing too you know it's you know, whether it's customer brand loyalty or, you know, just loyalty among hunters or whatever, you know what I mean? It's, it's so important, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, we've kind of been touching on a bunch of your experience in the hunting industry. What was it like for you, you know, going from just being a regular hunter to like, Oh wow, now I'm I'm getting into the hunting industry. Things are happening. You know, you opened up the website, you've worked with Matthews, you've worked with a lot of different companies. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what was what was that like for you and what was the growth like that? Or uh, what was – yeah, what was the growth like in that?
1: Well, a really smart businessman told me a long time ago. He said, John, whether you're running a lemonade stand or you're run, running a Fortune 500 company, you always want to run your company – Or run your business the way you foresee it becoming in the future, whatever your end game is, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I really I adapted that into my whole thing. Like I I consider myself a big shot before I was a big shot. Not that I'm (laughs) even a big shot now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I always had that like mentality. Mentality, like I'm already in it. You know, the second my f- my foot entered the door, I didn't think of myself as the mailboy. I just got in on the lowest level. Yeah. I I looked at myself as CEO. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I was putting myself out there as a professional before I even considered myself a professional. Almost. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's and not and I wasn't doing it to deceive people. I wasn't running around saying, "Hey, I'm John Stallone, I'm the greatest hunter in the whole world." <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I ran, I ran my my brand, John Stallone brand, yeah. the way from the get-go, like like I wanted it to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. So totally. I didn't feel like there was a growth. The only thing I saw in growth was the number of people that followed me, recognized me. It hit me. I want to say it hit me big, probably again, right around that 2009, 2010, yeah, when when I was like, I'd walk into a public place, like let's say a sportsman's warehouse or something and people like, hey, you're John Stallone, right? Like, yeah, you know? That's when it like. That's when it like hits you. And before now this that, is
0: all before Instagram and Facebook and and a lot of that kind of stuff was really taking off. This was just off your web show and and other right. things you had done.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. YouTube. You know, I've been on YouTube probably since the day it started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know that. I have I have some videos on there from like eleven years ago or whatever that are, you know, like a million plus views on them, yeah. and you know those those things are. So I was this is about the time that I was um, I was still working nights in a restaurant and uh, it was a French Canadian guy and his family they were visiting from Canada barely spoke any English and he recognized me from the internet
0: no way
1: and he was taking photos with me and maybe sign a napkin and this, this and that like
0: And what was your job in in the restaurant? I was a, I was a
1: freaking waiter
0: no i was way. a waiter i How was like almost feel-
1: embarrassed i was embarrassed actually i was embarrassed that i was waiting tables and the guy recognized me yeah you know and uh yeah but you know when, when stuff like that happens like it doesn't happen a whole lot it's not like everywhere i go people are like hey you're john stallone yeah uh, but i mean it just happened to me in california when i was uh when we were doing a podcast that potty I, I that um what's his name? David. I think his name is, he goes by Alex, uh, Haas wild on Instagram. Yeah. He was hunting in the same at, uh, at what do you call it? That H E. Yeah. And he walked over. He's like, Hey, I I think I know you. I've seen you before, you know, like
0: where do I know you from?
1: Yeah. (laughs) like You're the guy that does those, those videos. Right. And I'm like, yeah, Charles and I were having this. He, he gets a lot in California, I guess, from doing all videos. He does in like Sonoma Lake and all that stuff, but big ninja, um, so yeah, you know, every once in a while it happens, um, and it's just it, you know, it's cool. Yeah, Again, it's, you know, it's part of the reason why we do what we do. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, I don't. I, I, I don't think we did it so we wouldn't get recognition. So.
0: And how? I mean, so since then, you know, you're talking oh nine. What would you say like uh, the impact of modern social media, Facebook? Uh, Instagram and, and whatever else is going to come next because it's all going to die and transition again. Um, yeah. What would you say the impact is on that? Like how how of how's that impacted the hunting industry?
1: It's a double-edged sword, man. Yeah. I feel like um, it's been good because there's a lot of people that probably got into hunting because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially bow hunting.
0: Joe Rogan and all that.
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like it it has its place, but you know, one, like I said, it makes a bunch of keyboard cowboys, keyboard cowboys or keyboard, uh, professionals. Um, but aside from that, looking at the bigger picture, I think a lot of times it kind of hurts us because if a, you know, a picture of you, a gripping grin of you holding a deer or whatever, transitions over onto, you know, in front of the non-hunting public eye. Mm-hmm. It's just up in the air to be, you know, interpreted. Whatever. Interpreted from that person who sees it, and it, and it could be bad, it could be good, it could be, could be nothing. You know, yeah. like, oh, okay, whatever. It's a guy with a deer. You know, yeah. but and. I feel like we as hunters need to do a better job at telling the story Mm -hmm. with those pictures not like oh i just shot this fucker in the face you know yeah like that doesn't do us you know doesn't do us justice just if 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 that's you if that's you please just keep that shit to yourself you know but (laughs) um (laughs) just but like you you want people to understand that you're eating the meat. You no, know, actually, it's funny because Charles brought this up the other day. A couple days ago, I did a, I had Charles on with me, uh, and I had Randy Ulmer and Mark Smith, mm-hmm. um, and we did a podcast together. All of us.
0: Oh, how cool is that?
1: Oh yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> um, and and Charles brought up something that was really you know, that he has been trying to. Not only post a picture with the deer, but also poaching, posting a picture along with that, with the meat, uh, you know, process. Not process, but, you know, like quartered up and him packing it out. So that when it did get in front of somebody who was a non-hunter, they would understand that he didn't just shoot that for the horns on its head. Yeah, uh, there's more to it. You that. know? Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know... uh all our responsibility mm-hmm. to do that. You know, to do stuff like that,
0: portraying a better image of, yeah. you know, field to table.
1: Cuz the majority of the of the world doesn't know. Yeah. They they just don't know. They don't know they don't understand. They're not going to take the time to look it up. Yeah. But if they're looking at something, that's why I mean that's why like, you know, humane society Wins wars and trenches because they put something uh, that's oh so sad. Um, they're the poor animals, this, this, and this is an app, but they don't
0: cue the strings. They don't.
1: They don't tell the people that the money that they're donating to them doesn't go to those animals. It goes to lobbying and fighting. you know fighting us. Yeah. And so it's funny. The other day, I had um, like five or six high school kids that um, I train with at that, mm-hmm. that triple threat performance yeah um so they do a lot of like athletes yeah i don't know how how i, I weasel my way in there because i'm not an athlete but i, I <laughs> i'm i'm working out with all these athletes and anyway so something was coming up we were talking about something and i asked all i said wait a second i want to i want to ask you guys something just do so want to take a poll right now do you guys know what conservation is and they all said yeah 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 and i kind of listened to what they all said and then they were you know like so somewhat close to what it, what the definition of conservation was but that's not the point. Um, I said so where where does the money for conservation come from where where do you think the states and the federal you know government gets money for conservation? And they all every single one of them basically said the same oh taxpayers mm-hmm. and I had to go back and and not a single person knew that it came from. You know, they didn't know anything about Pittman uh, Robertson. Yeah, Pittman uh, Robertson Act. And they didn't know anything about, uh, you know, excise tax. They didn't understand anything about, uh, you know, Elk Elk Foundation, (laughs) Muley Foundation, or any of these, you know, license and fees. They didn't understand any of that. And I explained it, and they were like floored. They had no clue. Yeah.
0: It's kind of a shame, isn't
1: it? Yeah, well. And I think that right there is our key. I know Colorado put out a f- pretty cool little video. Uh, it was like hug hug a hunter,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, hug your fellow hunter. Uh, video that it's like you know, quick one minute deal. That was like you need to thank your hunt you know, you know the hunter for for your you know this park here you know whatever because it wouldn't be here because it if it wasn't for that and the, that that elk that you were just looking at wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for him um and it's a cool those are cool little commercials that they put together and i feel like that is the key right now to winning the war so to speak um with the public yeah. you know we we need to make we don't need them to want to hunt we don't need them to to hunt we don't even need them to like hunting
0: just do a better job of explaining what's they just actually happening
1: know, they just need to know that all the propaganda that they've been freaking shit fed for since they were kids mm-hmm. it's not right
0: since the 80s I mean if you it's so funny if you watch uh, Harry and the Hendersons uh-huh. I don't know if you remember that movie the entire oh, beginning yeah. of the movie is a father and a son on a hunt together
1: yep yeah. you know what I mean Yeah.
0: And I don't. I mean, that it, it's, I don't remember a movie since then that's come out like that. That was a major motion picture.
1: Let's put it this way: any anything that Hollywood puts out that has a hunter in it, the hunter is Bad. An, antagonist. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's he's not a good one. like. You even even in Disney. Yeah, Disney just it. slaughters Every, us. Oh, every single time, yeah. like you're. We're never. We're never the good guy. Ever. Ever. And like, I I don't know. I was coming across something the other day. I was flipping through channels. It was a Reese Witherspoon, and she was like backpack, backpacking through the wilderness on her own. I don't know.
0: Yeah, the she was doing the uh, Sierra Crest Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail.
1: Yeah, whatever it was, I don't remember what what the movie was. But she comes across two hunters. El cunning, in that, in the movie, and they're like creepy. Yeah, they're they're drinking beer. They're watching her, watching her change. I mean, come on. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. They like we're never ever gonna win the war because we don't play. We don't fight on the same field.
0: Field. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're always trying to work with scientists and biologists and this, this and that, but. You know, if we want to win the hearts and minds of of the general public, they need to understand yeah. the truth. And it, you know, it's just not going to happen the way we're doing it now.
0: Well, and it, it's so funny you bring up the biologists and everything, scientists and all that. It's like, you know, a lot of the stuff, will tag, whether it's tag quotas or you know, uh, for different species and everything like that. All of that comes based out of you know Department Fish and Wildlife or Department Fish and Game scientists and biologists coming up with a tag quota for for sustainability
1: mm-hmm. for an
0: area, but yet these people are trying to shut down you know whether it be mountain lion hunting or you know wolf hunting or you know what I mean uh, tons of different kinds of predators and these predators go out and decimate entire herds of animals. Mm-hmm. You know, to the point where, like, they just start killing for sport instead of killing for food, you know. And it's – that stuff doesn't get talked about. That They don't talk about the science no. behind why you get 1,800, you know, cat tags or why you get, you know, 1,200 bear tags, whatever it may be, you know. And it's all for sustainability and balance of the ecosystem as we continue to put homes further and further into wildlife areas – expecting things to change, you know,
1: it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense, man. Well, I, I, you know, I I mentioned it earlier. I I went and got my master's degree in rangeland management and ecology.
0: Yeah.
1: I got a, I have a certificate, um, professional certificate as a, um, wildlife manager and a, um, deer steward. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm a I'm of the school of thought if you're gonna manage game you got to manage predators yeah. Yeah. you if you, you can't you can't in come into a system at any level even if it's at the level of the grass mm-hmm. if you're altering something there everything has a yin and a yang you know everything has a a push push and pull so whatever you're you know, adjusting here, you have to adjust on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. So, and people don't People don't understand that.
0: Well, it's just a little cat or a bear.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, what, you know what the funniest thing is? If, if you were, if you were, or let's say the United States became vegan, Mm-hmm. the whole united states became being despite that. what that would do to us the economy okay yeah. but let's just just let's look at it from an ecological standpoint the amount of like pollution the resources that we would have to use the amount of land that we would have to cultivate to feed the whole United States, a vegetarian that? diet would literally decimate the world. Yeah. So it's like, like I, I mean, there's so many people. Just, ugh. <laughs> I, I did a podcast with a guy named Mark Hall, and he's a very, very articulate man, and he thinks. He's got some really cool stuff on his website. If anybody wants to go, it's like markhall.ca, I think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: his blog, if anybody wants to go check out some of his. But he is, he's is, he got some really interesting um, – we've had some interesting conversations, him and I, on, on and off uh, air. But um, he brings up some really cool points. I think anybody wants to look at that. And it has some other weapons in there in their uh, arsenal next time they get it faced with that, that conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm sure they, they would, you would enjoy it anyway, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway, I feel like I'm up, I'm up on a soapbox right now. Nah, Appreciate man, you're
0: doing good, dude. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm appreciative of it for sure. You know, so. it's informed, you know what I mean? It's informing the basis, man. And that's so important. It's, and it gets so overlooked like what you were talking about when, and what Charles was talking about. People post a picture and it's a grip and grin and a, I, I shot this thing's face off when it could be a grip and grin and a gratitude statement about the harvest of the animal or the kill of the animal and yeah. what that meat is going to go to and the memories that are going to come around from the dinner tables for the next year, You know, whether it be friends, family, or people eating game for their first time and changing the experience of their life on how they can you know, get their own proteins as opposed to getting it in a styrofoam wrapped package. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's pretty uh it's pretty neat. So we'll switch gears and we'll dive into guiding and outfitting. Okay. What's that been like?
1: Um so outfitting, I really just got into it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's something I kind of wanted to stay away from. I I've been guiding for probably 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um I worked for um, – I worked for some – from different guys here and there. Um, I really – I really wanted to stay away from it mainly because it took me out of the field. Yeah. Uh, hunting for myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, really.
1: <laughs> but I, I probably guided you know, one or two people a year for, for 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. And then you know, if you include all my family members and friends and stuff that I've been taking hunting for, for I've, got I've got it. I've got Yeah, <laughs> I've got it all then But as far as being an outfitter, I think I, it was, it's been about three years now—two and a half, three years. Yeah.
0: How have you enjoyed it so far?
1: Um, I hate it actually.
0: Really? <laughs> Are you going to keep doing it, or do you think you might just kind of go back to what you were doing before?
1: And, and the reason why I hate it is just I I just don't ha- I just don't have the time to deal with the business end of it. Yeah. I, love, I I like. Obviously, I love the infield stuff a lot. I like taking people out, especially new hunters. Um, I, I do. Lo- I really enjoy helping people harvest something they've never harvested before. You know, I get a lot of koozie people, um, but I try to be real selective. Like, I don't take everybody who calls me.
0: Uh-huh. Uh You kind of do like a vetting process, or.
1: You know, I, I, I call it boutique, uh, boutique, uh, (laughs) outfitting service, you know, not because it's high end. Like I don't, I don't charge that much, you know, as far as my, my prices aren't that much different than everybody else's, but as far as who I take, I, I usually take people that I like to be around. Like I I can tell right off the bat from our first conversation. I have a, I have a pretty extensive, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Like questionnaire that they don't even know that they're getting questioned, (laughs) Uh, and if if they pass it, they get my normal price. If they don't pass it, they get my high price. (laughs) Right, and that's that's gotta weed them out, though, too. Yeah, well, that's why. Yeah, because I I don't I don't want to just take I don't want to just take deal with anybody. anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. I I've thought about ramping it up, you know, and I'm sure if I did, I can I can transition out of the pool industry a little bit mm-hmm. but uh, for right now I keep it low key and you know take right now myself personally I probably only guide like three or four people a year yeah. um, I mean my outfitting service would probably take about ten so
0: so that's perfect segue into not only are you you know hunting and, and doing videos and podcast and and all this stuff that you're doing, you're dad of three, you're married,
1: you mm-hmm. have your own
0: business that you're running on the side. Well, I guess that's, every,
1: nah. <laughs> is the hunting
0: the side job or is the, yeah hunting
1: the hunting's the side job. You know what sure. I
0: mean? But so yeah. like, what's, what's that like for you? You know what I mean? Um, since having children and, and uh, having your wife and still being super active in the hunting community and, you know, picking up guiding and outfitting on the side and. You know, it, like, how's that been trials, tribulations, you know, how's that, you know, let's talk about that.
1: It hasn't been easy. I'll tell you that. Uh huh. I mean, my, uh, it's a lot of, uh, going to sleep at 11 o'clock and waking up at four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it's a lot of just squeezing everything in where you can. Yeah. Everything's got a time and place. Um, and, uh. Thank God, like I said, thank God for my wife because she holds down the fort when I leave, You're and uh, you know, I uh, I wouldn't be able to do it yeah. without her. Yeah. So, but uh, it's it you know it's fun. It, it is a lot of fun. I, if it was if it stops being fun, I I won't be doing it anymore. Um, but it's a lot of work, man. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I've 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 slowly cut out a lot of things in the last few years. I was doing a lot. I was writing, for like three or four publications, mm-hmm. um, you know, just rotating between them. Um, I was keeping up my own blog. Um, in 2015, I was content coordinator for the Outdoor Insiders. Um, I moved away from them, and then consequently, they they went under. Um, sometime in the beginning of the of 2017 i think or middle or end of 2017 mm-hmm. um yeah i was doing so much man okay. but i i i figured let me just keep rolling with my podcast and keep, keep my foot in the door that way and just put out some content for my blog and you know maybe put out a film or two a year yeah and just kind of really just dialed everything back but I was doing ten to twelve episodes a year on the show, and producing like one feature film a year. Um, I was doing the blog. I was running the hunting channel. I was, yeah, I was ambition, man. I was doing it all, man. There's just no, literally, no, just. You come up for air, and you go right back down. Come up for air, go right back down. I mean, like, that's, that's what it was. That's what my whole life has been for the last, I don't know how many years, but a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: And, like, I mean, you, you didn't get to experience it. But part of the reason why I hunt in front of country is because I need to have cell phone service. I need to have connection to the, to the outside world yeah. so I can run my businesses. Like, you didn't, there's been so many times where I'd be on a stock and my phone's ringing in my pocket, and I gotta pull out my phone and whisper to one of my guys. Okay, man. Okay, just do this, do that, do that, and then you and then know back
0: on the stock.
1: <laughs> and then back on the stock. Yeah. <laughs> so like, people are like, oh, you know, how do you get off of work? And how do you do this? And how do you do that? I'm like, you don't. Like I don't, man. I'm really. I I work while I'm hunting. I I. Yeah. I mean, when we get back at nighttime, I'm answering emails. I'm doing that. It's just like that's that's the way I do it. Yeah. There's there's never. I mean, I do it when I'm on vacation, like with my wife and my kids, and my wife can't stand it. But I try not to when I'm doing that. You know, I try not to take away.
0: Well, it's funny to yeah. me when people try to say that, oh, hunting is a vacation. <laughs> like, wait, have you ever hunted before? Because it's, I mean, it's relaxing, but man, that is hard work.
1: Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. You know. So, but it's just go, 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 man. If If you want to have no life. i got the perfect business for you (laughs) just kidding no in all honestly i'm actually uh i'm actively now trying to sell the hunting channel Uh uh-huh um i'm trying to sell off the uh hunting film festival Mm -hmm. oh i didn't mention that earlier i own that as well oh wow um yeah so like i'm just trying to and and not because they're not good businesses it's just because i Limit and focus I'm too, more. Yeah, I'm too spread thin, man. Yeah. And that's been my problem since day one. Yeah. I'm constantly just trying to do everything instead of just doing one thing really, 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 really well. Yeah. I, I got my hands in way too much and I've kind of like decided that I really just need to...
0: Iron's in the fire.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just, I just need to focus. Yeah. So... 'm hell I'm on the phone with you right now and i'm I'm talking about this and I'm literally answering an email on my phone with a, <laughs> i'm I'm excellent at multitasking
0: right right that's so funny man it's because that's totally I mean that's seriously the case though it's such a grind and there's so much to to be done and you know you get a million irons in the fire and it just keeps going and going and going and you know I admire that. The willingness to just kind of be like, "All right, man, I'm assessing. I kind of need to limit what I've got, but broaden yeah. my horizons with what I'm limiting it down to." Yeah, you yeah. Know? I, I, I,
1: I, just want to get more, just more involved in, in. I would just not to say more involved. I just want to get focused on the things that still make me happy. Yeah. Get rid of the things that don't make me happy.
0: Yeah.
1: And um. You know, and just kind of s- try to simplify some of the things going on in my life right now. Yeah, really. Like
0: getting a blacktail.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> my freaking white whale.
0: I haven't done it yet either, man. And I live in California, so. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that.
1: Yeah. Well, if my uh, if I wasn't such a greedy bastard, I should have shot the first couple of s- small guys that I had an op- opportunity to shoot. Uh huh. I, I would have got the 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 stigma out of the way. I Would have got the uh, you know the juju, right? And then I would have been able to get you know. Now it's like in my head. I think <laughs> I've
0: waited this long. I just have to kill a monster.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have to be a monster. I just want it to be a good one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So. <laughs> That I mean we can segue right into the California blacktail hunting. I mean so we met for the first time, was it two weeks ago? Three, four weeks ago now? I
1: think it's three at least three weeks, yeah.
0: So it was a it's been a minute ago and and uh that's I mean we met on the uh W U property, right? Correct. And um uh, Blacktail hunting. What was that? I mean, so you that was is that your third year coming out here to
1: that's my fifth year. Fifth year. Fifth year, yep, <laughs> hunting blacktail.
0: <laughs> so now you said blacktail hunting is completely different than coos deer hunting. So how would you say, uh, what would you say the difficulties have been as far as blacktail hunting goes?
1: Um. Well, the first year that I hunted, where I was hunting, we had that, fog in the morning and fog in the afternoon mm-hmm. and so you know i was trying to hunt glassing stock and i got on a couple deers. i got a shot off actually mm-hmm. um but um the hunting really wasn't that great where i was i had a, a friend of mine steve invited me out to hunt uh and i want to say we were hunting down by like long Like that area. Yeah. Um, And it was just, there was so much poison oak everywhere. So we couldn't, where they would go bed, we couldn't go in after them. It was just, it wasn't, it just wasn't
0: good hunting.
1: It wasn't good hunting. Yeah. Uh, So the second time I came was with Charles and we were hunting uh, on a a WE property. It was um, Ridgewood. Mm -hmm. And dude, I was on big buck after big buck after big buck and I just kept getting to like 90 yards, 100 yards and then – and I wasn't busting deer. That was the best part. They weren't like getting spooked and running away. Like I would get to a spot and I knew I couldn't get any closer and I would just pray that they would feed in my direction and it always worked out that they didn't, Mm -hmm. which is going to be the case when you're using the wind. If you're using the wind – they're going to go walk away from you because they're walking into the wind there. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's just smart. But, you know, you hope that they might meander 10 yards towards your way. You know, I was, that's all I was hoping for half the time was please just get 10 yards closer so I don't have to send, you know, <laughs> send the Hail Mary. Um, the third year, same thing, man, just on deer after deer after deer. Yeah. Um, I actually got a shot off and missed a buck. I stalked the very first morning. I stalked into this big SOB man. Pushing 150, which wow. is a giant blacktail. That's a book buck. Yeah. Um got in on him. He's bedded down, has no clue on there. I'm at well. I thought I was at 70 yards, but uh, it ended up being 77 yards. I kept ranging him up. It was coming back 71, 71, 71. And I'm like, "All right, man. I'm just going to wait it out. Wait till he stands up because I can't shoot him because the grass is too tall. All I could, all I could see was his head, or his, or his horns, I should say, not even his head. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, hour goes by. He decides he's going to stand up and go, you know, move to his morning, his late morning bed, and uh, he stands up. I didn't rearrange him because I had ranged his freaking horns like 15 times. Yeah. You know, maybe more. Draw back. And he's not even looking at me, nothing. I shoot right underneath him. I shoot. I'm like, fuck my life. So he bounds off, stops at 100 yards, looks back at me, and just walks away after a while. And uh, I was sitting next to a rock. I walked down there to go see if I could find my arrow because I wasn't, I was, I was like, I had to hit him maybe or something. I don't know what because how do I miss at 70 yards? I don't miss at 70 yards, you know? Yeah. And I got down there and I, I found this bed where he was laying because it was all matted down and whatever. And I, I ranged that rock back up and it was 77 yards. And I'm like, I must have been hitting the grass right in front of him, you know? Oh, really? And the rangefinder was giving me that reading and I just, yeah, so, you know, seven yards at seven <laughs> at seventy yards is a as a big enough drop that you're gonna miss. So, um, yeah. So that was my that was my only true opportunity. Uh, the th- third year hunting with Charles, we we were hunting WE properties, but they were all on the coast, and I couldn't hunt the way I like to hunt. I couldn't spot and stalk. I had an opportunity. I had a forky. Mm -hmm. uh this is actually i i I left a couple of these out but i had i had opportunities to shoot little forkies um on a couple of the hunts uh that i that i just passed on because i didn't want to shoot um well one at ridgewood i couldn't because they had it had to be three points or better or better yeah um so i couldn't shoot the first forky that i had an opportunity and then the one last year i had a 40 yards i drew back on them um, shot him in my head. You know, drew yeah. down, let down, whatever. And uh, I never had an opportunity. And there, I, never, I we didn't. I, I didn't have an opportunity until the last day. We hunted he. And um, last day and a half, I hunted he. So we got there. We hunted that that afternoon. I got on a really good buck. Again, I got to where I needed to be. And right before I got there, he stood up and he he kind of fed off. And look, like, I didn't spook him, nothing, you know, didn't get blown, just bad luck, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next morning, the next day, I was on deer. Just, I went on because Charles tagged out. Yeah. So we were just concentrating on trying to get me a buck. And I probably had five different solid stalks where, I mean, I was all over that damn mountain that day. And even to the very, very last minute, I was so close so many times and it was just so frustrating.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the last buck, the last night I, um, I got in on him and I was at 60 yards, but he had this branch crossing in front of him and I was like,
0: and
1: it was almost, almost getting to the point that it was too dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was like, I gotta do something. So I kind of started scooting to my side, he caught my movement and just jumped up and whirled and took out and took off so I was like fuck and then I you know started doing the walk of shame back and <laughs> I was climbing up the other side of Fraser Creek and uh, you know over there you got to put your it's so steep you got to you know strap your bow to your backpack and it's rough. Use your rough you got to use your hands to get get up that side I slipped and knocked myself out the back of my bow hit me in the back of the head I slid back down I don't know probably 20 feet or so and um, landed in a patch of poison oak and woke up like 20 seconds later. No <laughs> I way. After knocking my, knock myself out cold. No so way. So to add ins- insult to injury, I got poison oak all over my body. Oh, uh, no. Don, Don yeah. dish soap,
0: man. Don dish soap is the cure-all for poison oak if you get in it.
1: Oh, nice. A little um, late. <laughs> yeah. So and then this year, man, this year was awesome. I had so many opportunities and um, I honestly believe that the last – my last, hoorah! I was on my way up there to go kill this buck, and I was probably 150 yards from two bucks that were bedded.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I ran into some pigs. and It is the first year that I ever bought a pig tag. Yeah. I said, you know what?
0: I'm gonna kill a pig.
1: I'm gonna kill a damn pig. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta draw blood here somewhere. <laughs> I said, I'm gonna take the bird in the hand. Shot a pig at 15 yards. But I know I, I would have got it because, let's put it this way, Charles was 30 minutes, like 20, 30 minutes away from me yeah. hiking. He made it over to me and got to those bucks and got a shot off. Really? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, he uh, mis- misjudged the distance and shot over. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah he so, went
0: back and followed up and smoked yep. a nice buck. Was it two weeks later?
1: Yep. Yep. Redemption right so right. but so yeah my, my black tail hunting has been a, just a folly of you know comedy of, of of events yeah so
0: so what's your plans for this year what do you got coming up for Was it 20 2018 2019 winter fall winter
1: I have Utah next for mm-hmm. mule deer archery yeah yeah um I have uh, archery Roosevelt elk hunt in oregon after that
0: oh wow that's gonna be epic
1: come back here i got a client to guide for elk and then um let's see in october i am going me and chad roberts are going for elk and mule deer rifle in in idaho Uh and and in november charles is accompanying me to uh south dakota for mule deer and whitetail whatever mixed bag um. And then December. What else? Oh, November. I also have a client here for right after I get back from South Dakota. I have another client for elk for the late archery season. Mm-hmm. And then December we have a client that I'm not sure I'm gonna guide or not yet. Might probably have Shane guide him. Um. And then I have, uh, I think Ryan Carter's going to come out. He he drew a Coos Deer tag. I'm going to probably take him hunting. And then I have oh, Archery wow. Deer. Archery Deer here um, in, in late December. And then January, I'll be hunting Archery here as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, February, Havelina. I have a couple of Havelina clients. Uh, and then myself and my wife will probably go. Yeah. Um, and I hopefully, March, I'll be going for Red Stag. I was supposed to go for the last two years, and I keep pushing back. Um, but i got a deposit down over there. I need to get out
0: there yeah. and go. Me and Anthony so. might be going out there in March as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Sweet, man.
0: Yeah, that's awesome about uh, Arizona because you, you get that December, January, and February hunt. You know, two are mule deer or two are deer and then the other one's javelina. And you know, that's one thing I love about California is I can hunt pigs three sixty five, so in my off season when I'm not looking for deer, I'm usually out looking for pigs, you know, and it just keeps my senses and my eyes attuned to looking for wildlife in the brush. Yeah. And all that kind of I gotta find some pigs to make it happen, but (laughs) unfortunately there's no pigs. Uh Cool man. So, what would you say your favorite piece of gear has been?
1: Mm my Saguaro's, my fifteen by fifty six.
0: <laughs> really? Do you put those on a tripod, or do you just?
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, you can't. Can't beat it. So.
0: My buddy always says Swarov Vision is the best vision.
1: Yep, absolutely. You yep. can't beat it.
0: <laughs> right. Yep. Right, and then so tell us a little bit about your podcast.
1: Um, well, I've been doing it for a little over 10 years. Um, I took a couple year break in between. So I'm on season nine, I think, or season eight or nine. Yeah. Nine. And, um, yeah, you know, it's mostly tactics. Mm -hmm. I, 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 most of my questions come from, um, listeners mm-hmm. and I I reach out to those people, my friends or people that I know who are the best suited to answer those questions in the industry. And you know, we uh we put together a podcast. Nice. <laughs> it's not the not the best uh best description of it, but uh yeah it's it's all it's all tips and tactics. I'm really geared on education. Yeah. Um, I I do talk, you know, we do do some stuff that's, uh, you know, industry related topics. Like, you know, like I said, we had Randy and Mark and Charles on the other day. Um, I do, uh, I like to put out a a couple of that are just like campfire stories, you know, guys telling hunting stories, um, try to keep it educational, try to keep it fun and not dry. Um, and, uh, you know, I enjoy doing it. It's interviews with the Hunting Masters. Yeah. Pretty much find it on anything, iTunes or Podbean is where it's uh, you know hosted at. Um, but it, it's pretty much on every player out there.
0: Yeah, and it's an awesome podcast. Like I said, I've been listening to Thank it you. for a while, so you know it's it's definitely. I mean, I remember when uh, Anthony and I did our first podcast. The first thing I did when it was recorded was I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. And was like, tell me what you think about this. Yeah, yeah that, and you totally—I mean, you were—you know—and that was before we ever met. You know, we'd only talked a few times, and you were, you know, completely genuine and friendly, and you listened to it, and you know, talked to me about it, and it was awesome, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember you guys were asking me about equipment and all that
0: stuff. Yeah, right,
1: right, mm. yeah. Now look at you, right? All gr- all grows up,
0: <laughs> right? Still, still infants, though, still infants. <laughs> So we work with a company called Deadeye Outfitters Apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one of our partners. And uh, every podcast, we ask a question, and it's the Deadeye question. Okay. Uh, and it's it's strictly for fun, strictly for a sense of humor, you know what I mean? And And just kind of breaking the ice. So would you rather live in real life... In a real life version of Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead?
1: Oh shit. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones. why? I don't know. I don't I don't I don't like uh, zombies. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't like supernatural shit. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Seriously, yeah. man. So how can people look you up?
1: Um everything's kind of centralized if you go to Johnstallone.me Mm-hmm. Uh don't go to Johnstallone.com. That's my website also, but it's a really old website that I need to uh right, adjust. But <laughs> Johnstallone.me is uh is my blog. Uh you can get to the podcast from there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's pretty much John Stallone on Facebook, John Stallone on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um keep it simple.
0: That's awesome, yeah. man. And
1: yeah, my, uh, my YouTube channel is also John Stallone or the hunting channel. Yeah. Uh, on on YouTube as well, so
0: right on. Do you have any concluding thoughts or anything else that you'd like to
1: say? Um, yeah, just be good to your fellow hunter, man. Uh, everybody out there, just uh, remember we're all in it together, whether whether we do things the same way or not. Yeah. So just uh, support one another. Don't bash one another. And if uh, if you notice a guy's doing something that's not Good for the for the hunting community, you know. Reach out to him in private. Don't bash him on, you know, on the forums and 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 threads. Just, uh, you know, reach out to him. And say, hey, you know, I uh, I think what you're doing is, you know, maybe not so good for us. And you might want to think about taking that down or whatever. And you know, hopefully they'll it. listen. Yeah, talk about it. Don't yeah. uh, don't don't make the problem worse by by doing what, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. So
0: look for similarities man not the differences exactly yeah right on so, man well i appreciate your time on a sunday afternoon you know thank you so much for coming on it's been an honor and a privilege dude and uh i look forward to getting to hunt with you again in the in the future maybe next year and you know keeping in contact and and getting to know you better over the next few years man
1: absolutely thank you absolutely, man, man. Right thank on. you
0: yeah you bet anytime Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at The Flip Flop Guide. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.